Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Alive. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think Jay, I think that's a good point. You know, you said something, you touched on something interesting. Is like you, you, you work on the art, you put it out. You, you go to work, you put it out. You know, it's like it reminded me of the of one of my favorite books called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Have you heard of it? Hmm. No, I, have, I haven't. I've heard of the Art of War. And so that's why opposite. I was like, I've never heard of the War of Art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gary, have you heard of that? Have you heard I of this have book? that book. It's one of the like few. I've finally read through almost every book that I have, and I've recently found. I think one of the Swedish students gave somebody gave me that book a long time ago, <laughs> and it's one of the ones that I'm like, I have to just finally read this one. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so good. It it'll challenge every bit of your any part of you that is either uh dragging its feet or on ideas or stuff or it just like really makes you self-check like a why you're doing the creative work and then b like what's getting in the way and then what he talks about Stephen talks about is we're all we're all challenged in life it doesn't matter what we're doing it can be art it can be any kind of job any kind of thing that is creative even you know any kind of skill set is that we're challenged with what he calls resistance. And resistance will come in any t- any type of form. It'll come in, you know, aches and pains. It'll come in, oh, I'm not feeling well today. Or it'll yeah. come in, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. Or and it'll come in the it'll it'll look like anything. It'll look like a distraction, like, oh hey, my friends are going out to go party, but you know you should be working on this project to get it done or whatever it is, or building this business. It's it's such a good read for internal, not only motivation to get yourself going, but mm-hmm. inspiration to get and in, you get your spirit going into the right direction. And so, I highly recommend that that book for yeah, any we'll creative. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll oh, read that's it for sure. Wonderful. Like, he's got a uh, second book, "Do the Work," right, or yep. something like that. Yep. Because I, I have both. Somebody gave me both books, but a, a, a quick funny side. So when I was 12 years old, I went on my very first vacation. Stayed at the Mirage in Las Vegas. Uh, of all fucking places, right? And that changed, that trip completely changed my life. Uh, I got to go to UNLV basketball game, and it was when they had Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman, and it was the best college team ever. And uh, at the time, living in Cleveland, and uh, my dad got some money, uh, which ended up not being done the proper way. He ended up federal government decided yeah. to take action after that and um you know sometimes you know not to get too much into the deep personal shit my, my old man will beat himself up about not not doing enough for me you know but he's always there at these pivotal moments and he didn't maybe didn't realize it, but you know he took us there and we didn't have money growing up at all you know we always had love and a roof 
and clean clothes, but they weren't designed. Like we always had what we needed, but we never had one need, you know? And we, mm -hmm. mom worked three jobs just to, you know, keep the lights on, but she did. And, and didn't know that I was poor until later on because we were, everyone around me was in the same thing, you know? But at the time we never had to go, we went to Conneaut Lake was our vacation spot. We went to a place called the Skeeto Motel. And it is the shit that nightmares are made of. I mean, I just remember like half pool green, like beer cans floating in the top. And then we go in like the worst part of Pennsylvania. That was and our. Why is the motel this thing? Why did the motel become something completely different than the hotel? Yeah, in the 80s. I mean, this place was a nightmare. Right? <laughs> this is like where like COVID and meth started at the Skeeto Motel. But <laughs> we're in Vegas from Skeeto Motel in Conneaut Lake, fucking Pennsylvania, right? So lights camera action right and uh i had a similar experience right like i hated it because i couldn't do anything same thing like there's a pathway through the mirage and there's these big rocks now it's sit on these fucking rocks like and for like hours and watch the action my dad would be playing craps and i'm on this fucking rock there's like a waterfall behind you and like these bridges and like you can't get off the fucking rock or like get the fuck out of here you know and you're like this sucks and the smallest arcade at the mirage like fucking thing like you know it in the corner you know I, didn't, I don't even like video games that's all i did you know then got to go to this game and i didn't become a basketball player but unlv had the best show that tark canyon was tark the shark was the coach it'll go dark and they play the jaws music and they'd have a video of a shark going around like the whole crowd doo -doo 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 -doo, and boom fucking explosions and like cheerleaders come out and the team takes the court and i'm like fuck like i never saw anything like this before i'd gone to a couple Cavs games you know, um, the FBI, who was playing my the role of my Uncle Pete at the time, decided to take me to the <laughs> game and then arrest my father <laughs> later on. Uh, but you know, it was funny because I went to that UNLV game and then the FBI took me to a Cavs game the next month and they turned out not really beat my Uncle Pete. And uh, oh, yeah, they decided to just oh, try a legend at the time. Is a that's different, but these two games that I went to, basketball games, changed my life. One, stay at the Mirage. I was 12 years old exactly. That's crazy. A year before you did, because I think I'm probably a year older than a year two. But it's nuts, because that, when I, I got in a lot of trouble growing up, and I always had this like vision of making it to Las Vegas. And I never went back until I ended up moving there. Uh, or maybe I went back one time, because my grandparents ended up moving there, but it's like a different experience. You know, we went to Strip Sale, like a trailer park on Buffalo, like where they stayed, you know. But uh, there's always that one thing, like I got locked up or I, was going through like hell and like depressed or, you know, thought people were going to kill me or like, whatever the case would be. Like it's Las Vegas thing I had to get to, you know, and I ended up getting out there with a 1990 Corsica, $400 and start my journey, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but is that 12 years old fucking Mirage, man? Like I, we never talked about this before. It's I didn't crazy. know that story. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's we had a it. similar, we had a similar, uh, encounter at the Mirage. And yeah, the mirage just... symbolically is like this thing you can't see in the distance, but it's there, but it's not there. It's an illusion, but. Yeah. Right. You know how when you play Mario Kart by yourself and it'll show the shadow person next to you? Yeah. Like <laughs> at the same time, that's like on the track with you. Yeah. I have a, I, I'm envisioning like you at the Street Fighter machine and then him, like a ghost him next to you in an alternate time doing the exact same things and thinking about the exact same situation. 
Yeah, I love it. Stuck. That was like behind the waterfall, like like this little room where they stuck their kids. It wasn't like the big yeah. arcades now. It was like, a small room. Were... It wasn't <laughs> big. Corral. It wasn't yeah. a big room. Yeah. Did like... they get a ticket when they dropped you off? Yeah, it's basically <laughs> like a goat. Yeah, just stick your kids there. Like they had the Excalibur in there. It was like That's a daycare. Where we started, like, trying to make it <laughs> for families, but like the Excalibur and like Circus Circus. We've had clean uh-huh. Circus Circus since that time. Right. Um, it's a nightmare now. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, and like to to see, you know, the progression of you know of everything and in Vegas and with like Vegas is the place where magic won't die and like forget it's the kind of thing where you don't like magic till you watch magic again <laughs> why do you want magic yeah. to die like people like, I don't just, understand that people that people it's like it just and i think it's like cyclical like a big a magician will come to like change the game in a way and then people remember like hey this shit is cool like i love mm-hmm. magic. well it's because there's a lot of bad magic so when people see magic they're usually seeing bad magic, but when they see good magic, it's game changing. Good magic yeah. is hard to come by. And when you see it, it's like, it's a true art form, but there's a lot of bad magic when you go to like little talent shows and, you know, in your local area or whatever, or there's just a lot of bad magic. It's just unfortunate. The, the carnival cruise line magician. that's it, all angry. We yeah, talked about this. There's some, I'm there's some, Amazing. I'm not. I'm not cruise ship. Them all. Yeah, but but there's also some that are probably not the greatest. But but guess what? I, I've been I've been that magician before. I've failed miserably. You know where I just wanted to crawl in a hole after I performed and not come back out. Like it was. So, so you've had a a, oh, a trick or a, a illusion disaster big time happened. in front of God and everybody. I've had. What's dis- that like? It's not good because yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> as a magician. <laughs> The only thing I could compare it to, but not knowing, is like being a comedian and going out and just completely tanking because nobody's laughing. But as a magician, you, when you fail, it becomes so devastating because people usually see how you failed and see how simple mm. things are with magic construction and illusions. And, and so it's really just a bad failure because you have and there's not many pivots that you can do and there's not many contingencies you can do in certain circumstances so i've done i've had nightmares of effects happen where the whole thing has been revealed in front of thousands of people and it's just it's it's but it's those failure moments that build your character and like you have to fail just like you've heard a million times like all these motivational speak speakers and and sports players and stuff it's like you have to know the emotions of failure in the moment of failure so that when you are building your craft and your skills, you're learning what works and what doesn't work. And so mm-hmm. it just makes you better. And then so now to the point where if I just mess up an effect or something, I don't doesn't I don't even care. I just laugh and I keep it moving. I don't even care yeah. one bit. Dude, that's the same it thing with podcasting yeah. now. It's like yeah, the stuff that I used to freak out about. Yeah, every little word, listening to every sound, all these things, and now I'm like ah, like it's funny to think about. Yeah. You know how I used to be with it, but you have to have a love affair with your art in order to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that, you know, just like a relationship with your significant other. 
there's good days and bad days, but you wouldn't replace your significant other. Right. Right. Because that is the one thing that you want in your life, a constant. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the bullshit that comes with it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a, it's a background noise. Right. Yeah, it's... And, and almost it wouldn't be good without it. No. And plus it, it, it all, I say this, it offers contrast, bad moments or bad experiences or failures <laughs> offer contrast so that you can see what, when you see something beautiful or amazing experience or success, you know what to contrast it up against. Cause if we were just living in a utopia all the time where you're nailing every art form or every successful pitch or whatever you're doing, then you wouldn't enjoy it. You wouldn't know what the failure's like, so you wouldn't enjoy, right, the the good stuff. If all food was sweet, we wouldn't know what sweet was. Right. It would just be a baseline. It'd be baseline. We'd never be happy. We'd we'd just hate sugar after a while. 100%. You you mentioned Cobain and, like, Winehouse. And, like, which artists that are great, like, had two parents in the home that were normal <laughs> at h and r block and they had the, and they never fought and just showered their kids with love you know and like those are serial killers we've yeah, already established yeah this. it's like not that your parents can't love you and shower you with love or or like shit or but like most biggie and marley and you know you yeah. name it like that that the creative people you know like there's fucking pain they're just spilling out a lot of time in the struggle like you didn't have to sleep in your car or wonder where your next meal was going to come from or, or burn the fucking boats and just not know if you were ever going to make it. Like, rarely can you get to a, a point that's life-changing for yourself, other people, and, like, game-changing. You know, you got you to gotta sell out, like, just be like, this is it at some point, you know, like, and I'm not going to quit. You know, Dallas can do a million things like he's one of those guys in vegas that's connected to everybody and they all want him to work for them and go do their shit because he's smart he's good with people you know he's a creative but he's also organized like you know he's he's people that's a miracle how did that happen yeah (laughs) he's figured it Um, out you know and like but people will hire him and give him a lot of money at any time right but he didn't you know he if he took those types of jobs, like, and this is just me looking from the outside in, it was with production companies or production and like his learning pieces that he didn't already have. You guys are both the same in like editing, right? Like he edited a lot of these projects that he did and he didn't know shit from Shinola, as my mom would say about editing. It's the same thing with you. Like I hate editing, but like you were going to figure it out. You both like yeah. are phenomenal editors, but it started out like not going to film school to be an editor. You're like, I need to, edit this shit together that i have like how am i gonna do it and like you guys both i hate i suck and i've tried and i never will be good but like but (laughs) of course you will man i know too many people like you guys that will like just edit and stuff (laughs) you know like but it's like one of those things where i'm just gonna figure it out like i need this piece of the puzzle i get sit around and like you know it's like the camera work with me i want to do all these things and i didn't always have a camera guy and then they would fucking die in my notebook or on my laptop. Eventually, I was like, I need such to a great camera point. and figure out how to just fucking point that thing and keep it in focus enough to like make this thing that I want to do right now. And like, a lot of people won't do that. They'll sit around forever and be like, I don't have a sound guy, so I better go shoot that. I'm like, you got a microphone? Can you buy one? Can you rent one? Maybe you botch the sound and it doesn't work at all. But the next time, 
you're going to remember how you botched it that last time, and you're not going to make that mistake. You may fuck it up again five times, but on that sixth time, it, you nail it, and now you have, like, and you got to know what could go wrong, too. Like, when you get to that big stage, you got to remember that illusion you fucked up in 12th grade, or you got to remember that rap that you forgotten, or you got to remember that, like, presentation in front of the boss that you screwed up when you were an intern when you're the CEO about to change the lives of your whole corporation. You need to go. You know to hit mute now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know that. Or, you know, like, hey, it's better to keep them waiting 10 minutes than not have the PowerPoint presentation on the computer, you know, the screen the right way. Or, like, Amen. Yeah, you don't walk in half-dressed. Yeah. Uh-huh. like And late. Okay, you, you want to make those mistakes. Like, you know, I, I, I work with the fighters and, like, a lot of Bad coaches and managers like pad their fighters' amateur records, and I'm like, you want your fighter to have losses? If you don't have losses on your amateur record, to me, like that's a mistake. Like uh-huh. you need to lose as an amateur. Like you're not a good grappler. You should be fighting good grapplers that are gonna tap you the fuck out when you're an amateur. If your striking sucks, like now's the time to get punched in the face by the amateur. Now when you get in, use your. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. You don't want day one to be on like the knuckles of Anderson Silva. No. Yeah, and the, the great grapplers <laughs> will grapple their way to a level when they get to a great striker who's just a good enough grappler to stand his feet to kick you in the fucking neck, and then you know <laughs> then it's lights out in front of everybody. And... I, I can say my art doesn't kick me. Thank God. Yeah, it will. Somehow, you know, <laughs> me and Jay, like, you know, I, I was Dallas, I don't know if I told you, but you know, I was a guest on the podcast a couple of years ago and then we became friends and he invited me to join and, and we have similar thoughts on, you know, a lot of things that, you know, the, the important stuff. Uh, but he's been starting to help me out with all my independent projects, editing and, and doing the graphics and all this stuff. So I love this. And I'm like, just wait, you know, wait till... You know, the, <laughs> you do something that's going to make this thing suck really bad. And you know it's going to suck, and I know it's going to suck. He's the one that's going to pay for it, and you're going to take this really cool thing you just made and fucking make it suck so you can get the money. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, oh, it'll be fine. And I'm like, we'll see. You know, we'll see. We made you work very hard on this thing, and it's really cool, and now it's got to suck. And then that's what everyone's going to see is suck one. You know, it's like yeah. this guy once they're like doing this thing, mm. no fucking sense. He, you know, works in fucking Missouri somewhere or, you know, fucking <laughs> Maine or whatever. And this company wants this cool thing and you give them this cool thing, like, oh, it's cool. What if it just, just purple? Like, I don't know. Like, it just, well, <laughs> just, yeah. just, they just crap on the middle of it. Like, it's like you have a vanilla, you know, big cake. And somebody just drops a poo right in the middle of it and says, now it's good. Yeah. No. It was or fine you have a this. cake that's delicious and multi-tiered. And then like, we just want vanilla. Like it, it happens all the time in the creative yeah. business. It yeah. happens all the time. You, your, your, your art or your creative project gets stripped away, you know, but it's, but that's okay. Cause you have, we have to learn how to collaborate. Mm. We have to learn how to, even if they make the wrong decision on the creative output or they change, you know, on their notes, we have to learn what, what those notes, um, what, what happened from those notes, you know, and what the outcome was. 
Mm-hmm. And it's and those are good experiences too, even though they don't feel good at first. You know, something somebody's stripping away your your creation. But yeah. some but sometimes it's like you've heard this before. It's like when you make something creative, we want to be attached to it. So like I I practice the art of detachment a lot. It's like yeah. once I create something, it's like and I put it out. It's no longer mine, and it's only everyone else's to then make their opinion about what it does for them, or hopefully it does something for them, you know, entertains Sounds them. liberating. But it's like just letting go of it and just going, I don't care anymore. I'm on Heart. to the next thing. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm proud of what I did, but I'm not attached to it. Like, I can completely rip apart any of my old stuff now and make fun of it or just be like, okay, I made this mistake. I would have done this differently but I don't care. Like people can say everything they want to say about it. Like, oh, this should have been done. Or I saw this magic thing he did there. I wouldn't have chose this or that. Okay. That's great. It's not mine anymore. I I like that. It uh, doesn't matter. The art of detachment. It's, it's liberating. Like you said, it's freeing and it allows you to focus on the present moment because mindfulness, when we sit back and we, or we look back in the past at our, at our past traumas or our past projects, that's not the direction we're heading. We're heading this way. We're heading, you know, we're heading forward. And so we need to focus on the present moment, on the present mm-hmm. project, on the steps and tasks that'll get us, you know, to the future and not look back. Look back to celebrate our wins and losses, our lessons, but not to attach emotionally to them. Oh, Just let them be. Funny. Like, well, you'll sit around with your boys and talk about the losses. You know, we used to break each other's balls like you wouldn't believe, you know, about all these years. You're going to, I am made amazing things. I have made, I've put 600 episodes of television on the air. I have, I'm Emmy now. I've made phenomenal things. They will talk about a rap video I did in 1999 <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Exactly. It, we made that for $100. 24 hours to shoot it, edit it, make whenever, and pull it out of our ass. <laughs> Terrible. We did that on shit from Best Buy. And uh, my, you know, the co star in the video borrowed his stripper girlfriend's Lexus to shoot it. We had a $100 budget, 60 of it was spent on Hennessy. Uh, like, we <laughs> shit. priorities. We're, yeah, you know, but everyone in that fucking video is fucking killing it right now. We have multiple Emmy winning directors. We have the cinematographer who's in Europe making $80 million movies. You know, we have like everyone in that video, like went on to like murder, but man, like we had this one thing to point at from 1999. That was like terrible. Now it's not an accident. Yeah. No, like you have, you have to do that, you know? And you you mentioned earlier about how like making stuff for, uh, you know, people just don't make shit. They don't ever, they're not, they don't use their imagination ever. You know, they don't do anything. They paint, draw, build Legos, fucking, like, they don't play. Like, mm-hmm. they don't do shit yeah. that's like that. They go to work all day and then they stare at the TV and then that's it. So, me, me in a creative world, I did that for years. I just fucking made some shit for me and stared at the TV. Yeah. You know? It's interesting. Sorry, Gary. I was just. Uh, almost cut you off there. Um, You said something interesting about like, you know, they don't play, they don't create, you know? So what happens with people when they um, bury their creative drive or creative uh, self 
is that they will go then watch play. They'll watch sports. Mm. They'll watch TV. They'll watch reality. They'll watch internet. They'll watch, they'll get caught up in other people's play. They, and sit and watch and be a spectator, which is okay, but not all the time. And Mm -hmm. so they've replaced their internal creativity with watching other people's creativity or other industries creativity. And I'm not saying don't watch any of that stuff. I'm just saying like, maybe take some of that back for yourself and go play with your children, go play anything, go draw, like Gary's saying, go build Legos. Who cares if you're an adult, go, go do get something. A gift wrap roller and sword fight somebody. Dude. Yeah. That's what yeah. you're supposed to yeah. be doing. Have blow fun. through it at your dog. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Just like, have fun <laughs> and, and, and tap into that childlike uh, ability of creativity and playfulness. And, and it, and it makes, makes you happier. Like it, it makes you happier. It's, it's healthy for right? your mind. It's help, healthy for your emotions. It's healthy for your spirit. So yeah, I, if I could, if I could try to shake anyone up enough is to like literally just don't watch TV as much, you know, don't watch movies as much. Like you're very, very spot on with this and the donation of time. I like to consider it that, um, because we are so ignorant to the present and that we ignore mindfulness to such a degree, you are correct. We sit down and we start consuming other people's art, other people's passions. And the converse to this situation is that if you're an artist or a creator, the onus is on you to put out meaningful content, whether it's, you know, whatever kind of art is fine, but if it's detrimental to the human experience, know that. Uh-huh. Know that you're using that and somebody is taking that in as their only mindful moment. So just be sure that what you're creating is what can better humanity, not, you know, bring it down even further. Or just for yourself, even like, even if you don't well, share it with people, but you create for yourself to make to to for your own enjoyment that makes you happier as an individual. It just it's that's also a positive. About Gary. He's always sharing a piece of art that he's just working on for the hell of it, yeah. you know? And and that makes me remember at times that I should be not just creating with an end goal, but just actually just sit down and create because this is what we're designed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's no, it's no mystery why it's always now. It's the present. And that's why we're supposed to be creating 24 seven because we actually are, there's no past, there's no future. Uh-huh. We're literally a sitting-in-place firework. We just get to pick the colors and how far we want to spray the shit around. That's right. That's right. Like, no one's uh, ever going to when... buy one of my paintings, but I enjoy painting more than almost anything else right now because no one's ever going to buy it, critique it, or even maybe see it. But, so, I could fucking paint, whatever, you know? But like, I'm making music and I'm trying to sell it, or I'm making a TV show or a project and trying to sell it, no matter how much I think it's mine. It's voice in my head, it's like, when I saw this thing, you got it. You, this, I might not even want that, but I spoke fucking paint. Yeah. I, I don't, I'll never sell a painting, but like I can fucking paint whatever I want. So it's like having that, I didn't have that for years. I watched TV and need TV. I haven't watched TV in three years now. Not one fucking yeah. episode. Me either. I watch fights uh-huh. and sports and, and I'll watch four or five minutes of something if everyone's talking about it just to see how it's shot or whatever, but I have not binge watched a series or anything since the first week of COVID and 
and I guess I shouldn't be shitting on television. It's what I do for a <laughs> You don't have to only watch. And like, if you like playing Legos when you were 12, you fucking still like playing Legos right now. <laughs> if you went to Toys R Us, if that's still a thing, and bought a fucking big Lego set and turned your phone off on a Saturday and built that shit, you would fucking love it if you liked it when you were 12 years old. Hot Wheels. Guarantee it. If- Hot Wheels were the... Or the thing. Bro, if I could buy a big ass set of brand track, new like a Hot track, Wheels, a track, and a track, oh, and yeah. just go ape shit with it, <laughs> I would be happy for like a solid month. So yeah, just leave the me there alone with it. I owe an ass tattoo, so. Oh yeah, that's right. You do owe an ass tattoo for um. For, you, it's a cop car, right? Or yeah, is that the pizza? Okay, that's, uh, well, that's gonna be a detention episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to try to get you to do that on the show. I, uh, <laughs> during COVID, we went to Wyoming to shoot a show. We were there for three months on lockdown in the book Holiday Inn in Wyoming. And we go to set and back. And <laughs> this guy, Slappy, he's one of the best dudes I know from Nashville. Happiest guy, one of the most talented cameras I know. Uh, it was a street racing show, Street Outlaws. And every night we filmed there. There's a controlled environment, but real street races, real gambling. We couldn't gamble, gamble and do this for years. And now we're stuck in Wyoming, right? By hundred man crew, by four women, you know, the logical sane ones, but they were outnumbered by dudes that aren't that. And, uh, guy Slappy was like, I got an idea. Now we're going to pass the time for the next couple months, whatever. So he made a big fucking drag track in the back of the hotel, Hot Wheels. And he got like a team for people. Um, to like play with. Well, it cut to like us calling the engineers at Mattel, buying the fastest ones off eBay. <laughs> like every fucking Hot Wheels car in the state of Wyoming. People are taking the wheels off using graphite. Like you name it. And like we were ridiculous <laughs> with it. And I, I had the fastest car the whole time called Black Jesus. And it was just a regular car I bought at the local one, but it beat everybody the whole time. I was up 17, 1800 bucks smoking everybody weeks undefeated till this guy scotty motherfucking sound guy the last day pulled out this like french cop car and it was like very last and i was like i'll bet and whoever i'll bet any amount of money whoever's got i don't give a fuck i'll bet everybody no one bet you know and he's just you know he's like i don't give a shit kind of guy you know and he's covered in tattoos like so he's like winner has to get the loser's car, ten, or the loser has to get the winner's car tattooed on their ass. Like, we'll do over like 700 bucks. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Got some bite. He just got taken out by the cops, man. Oh, jeez. The, the irony in that is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, and, my gosh. I got that car. Like, I opened it up, and the Everlast song, like, Jesus came on the radio. Uh, uh, is there a way that we could create an illusion where he thinks he's getting a cop car on his ass, but it ends up being something just completely different and embarrassing? Worse yes, than that? that? That's possible. It's not much worse than that. <laughs> no, like, I, I'm animate about book police. <laughs> oh, man. I you could have a cop car on your ass. Yeah, man. It's, I, that's, I, not it's, been, that's not a good bet. That's not a good bet. Yeah, you know, no. I've, I've been putting it off, and like, but well, I'm a man of my word. I got oh, shit. I just got. That's go a tough it. one. That's Not a tough deep. one. Yeah, at least it's inside the pants. You know, I mean, and it's also a great way to figure out whether or not she's cool. 
Like if she doesn't like your cop car on your ass, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Just move the worst on. part about it is is like it was Street Outlaws Bastards in America, and like acronym is Sophia. So like in the design, it's got named Sophia. So it's like kind of girly. <laughs> also, how manly is a French cop car? Good enough to take down. What does it look like? I've got to see this it's car. Like a is it like SUV? It's like whack. Any cop car that makes that, hur, hur, you know, yeah. European sound, it's in, it's in a strong brother. cop car. I hear that. I'm like, you can have a pistol. You can fucking hit me with your little club. Copper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. his, his, little, his little baton. Yeah, great. Like, miracle. Oh, man, dude. I could do this all night. I, I would love to have you back on and actually oh, just yeah. talk about some illusions and stuff. I had tons of questions that I didn't even get to. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you, do you think you could teach somebody a magic trick over the phone? Is that something that's possible to do? I'm uh, just curious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, over You could? I'm just Yeah, it's possible. You what you want to do? No, what, can't you want make me to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for next time. Yeah, we'll I think we'll... we come up with a Go ahead. Well, well, I was gonna say we'll we'll plan something next time where I I, I like that. I teach I teach something. For the viewers, yeah, for your audience. I love that, dude. Yeah. Let's do that next time. Of course. I'm, see, I'm already inviting you back. I'm assuming that you had a good time and that you want oh, to be yeah. here. But you guys are great, and <laughs> and Gary, I appreciate this the invite here. And Jay, nice to meet you and to learn about more about your guys's uh, podcast and just these fun stories that we could share. And then, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's and uh, I think it's good to see you like talk about failures because you haven't. Everyone that knows you seems that you have it together. Like you're always dressed well, you're always confident, like, you know, and it's like those types of people got there somehow, you know, and like mm. you never let the people see you sweat, you know? Like you went through like a lot of trials and tribulations, but on the outside, like you're always nailing it, you know? And it was like you're your <laughs> oh, Gary. The you the reality help? is this. I've had so many failures. I've had so many failures, so many show pitches and shows gone wrong or other entertainment projects that didn't happen. And, but it's, I, I actually, I don't mind. I just keep, I just keep, just keep like taking them and building from them and learning and sharpening my sword and, and, and just, it's all about it's all about the uh, the journey of life and in this this artist artist challenge of a career is to is to build and create and failure is just part of life that doesn't bother me anymore it used to mess with my ego it used to mess with me mm -hmm. and also it became challenging with money and stuff but you just learn you just keep going you just and and the thing is is I I worked around a lot of uh, other uh, entertainment producers and things and i realize being around some very very successful ones i realized they also had tons of failures but they were good at just like keeping people focused on 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 the successes and it made me realize that you can just keep learning and keep taking risks you know so but now as i as i've matured it's more about now not it's about Finding focus and clarity mm. so that I can reach my targets. So I'm not doing as many failures if they're more like I mitigate my 
my my failures better now by learning what to say yes to and learning what to say no to and and wisdom from my pa- yeah the wisdom of the past failures oh okay if we don't do this this time then we may we need to consider this this time you know so but it's all it's all part of it it's all part of it well, so if if everybody um when you listen to this episode and you heard the uh, cosplay magic and some other stuff we only touched on such a small piece of what you do and what you've done because the sleight of hand stuff the close-up magic you do i was looking through all your videos i was like son of a bitch like <laughs> i couldn't it was blowing my mind watching all these and the way that you're super open about what it is that you're doing and helping people, you know, get interested in the art uh-huh. is super cool. So I encourage everybody to go there, take a look at those things. And I think the next time we have you on, we'll be able to showcase what it is that you're yep. doing on there on here. Oh yeah. We'll do um, something. We'll do something special. Oh, that'd be amazing. Dude. Yeah, it'll drive I appreciate you, Gary. It'll drive me crazy. I can't figure this shit out, man. It's so like, <laughs> <laughs> You know? Be a kid. You're supposed to be amazed. You're not supposed to figure it out. And he will fuck enjoy crap. it. He will not crap. <laughs> and like I'm like, you did that to shit in '99. Tell me, I can't tell. No, fucking tell me. You don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to know. He, no, yeah. that's he's probably right because when you do hear him, like mother. Yeah, he, he sticks to the code, man. He does not. Discernment's a bitch. Right. Once I'm, you have it, and you can see people not knowing who they are. You can move shit around their head like nobody's fucking business because they're concentrating on what? Their mask. They're not concentrating on you. They're concentrating on themselves. No, I'm concentrating yeah. on his hands, fucking pocket. Well, the goal of the next episode is to have you stump Gary, which doesn't seem to be that hard the way he's describing it. It's all, it's all, it's all good. I'll entertain you guys. I'll entertain you guys. Love it, man. And, and well, some stumps will occur too. So we'll we'll dive into it. both. Yeah. yeah it's be awesome. Gary, you got anything you want to close I up on? Love, like we have fighters on and we don't talk about fighting. And and like we have musicians on and don't talk about like we always like it, it I think it's a cool thing that like we're talking about the things that surrounding thing, but it's like, you know, when people interview you, they talk about magic the whole time. So when people interview about <laughs> fighting, like they just only talk fight you lost or the fight you won you know talk about a musician like new l coming out like you know but i think it's like it, it's cool and like i think maybe we should talk a little bit more about certain things when we have guests on but i think it's cool that we talk about a lot about the life experiences surrounding or that led up to the, the things because everyone's got a thing that they want to do and they might not know how to like get there or they might not have the confidence to fail and like i have a jay-z shirt i wear all the time and it says the genius thing that we did is we did it give up and mm-hmm. you know mm. nobody's first shit of anything is fucking dope jay-z's first rhyme sucked balls i guarantee it now's his first rhyme is fucking i am nuts and i'm happy to be you know like whatever you know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Tyson, and i hate everybody first time mike Tyson <laughs> a hook, it was retarded you know, just it, and then now that hook will destroy your liver and throw it out the back of you at oh, six. Yeah. Generations later, we'll have liver pain. Yeah, <laughs> like the first time you ride a bike, you fall off. But that same guy that does three backflips in the X Games, he fell off the first time you rode a bike too. You know, like it's if you want to get somewhere, you know, and I don't want to be all this motivational speaker. You gotta fucking eat a lot of shit, man. You gotta scrape your knees mm-hmm. up a lot of times. Just gotta love the taste of shit. 
Yeah. That's all. Pick the right <laughs> shit. Make sure you like peanuts or something. Pick yeah. the one that is your flavor and eat that one every day. Then you don't have to worry about it. That's it. You know, how good that steak's going to taste when you fucking spit the shit out finally and get that filet. You know, it's all. <laughs> That's that's the that's the worst way to clean your palate before a steak. Yeah. Me and Dallas ate from nine ninety nine cent fucking hot dogs at fucking casinos for a lot of years before we could go to fucking Ruth Chris, you know, like you yeah. know, that was I'm the with you, for a dollar at the fucking place on the street from college, like that was the oh, I just I just kind of threw up in my mouth listening to the words hot dog and Heineken in the same sentence. Back in the day, Austin would get the steak and eggs for $1.99 and we used to fucking stay up till midnight to eat dinner. You know? I fucking love it. <laughs> like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this one up and uh I will we've agreed to have you back on. That'd Thank awesome. you again Dallas. I genuinely appreciate you and thanks Gary for sharing more of your friends and family dude. Um, and remember everybody, be cool and keep learning. <laughs>